Blog Talk Radio. the country and around the world streaming live on the internet it's real estate coaching radio bringing you the latest news interviews and secrets of the top producers hosted by award-winning real estate coaches tim and julie harris all right welcome back julie are you on with me i am can you hear me I can hear you fine. You don't need to ask that because we can hear you great. That's so true. everyone, All right, good. welcome back to the radio show. And man, did our radio show from yesterday, Julie, raise a lot of eyebrows. A lot of eyebrows, a lot of emails, right? I mean, a lot of people are saying, Tim and Julie, are you advocating cutting your commission? You know, I, I received an email from somebody who just obviously didn't listen to the radio show and thought, mm-hmm. oh, Tim and Julie are somehow telling people to discount their commission. No, that is not what we are advocating. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. And listen to the radio show from yesterday if you want the details on how to adapt a flexible fee commission structure into your business because that is what, in many cases, the market is expecting. So we like to start every one of our radio shows out with a uh, lesson or a coaching call summary or something that Julie and I are experiencing in our own business. But before I get to that, and Julie, I'm going to ask you something that you've taken from one of your uh, coaching calls from today. Sure. I want to remind everyone that they can call in. 347-857-1195, 347-857-1195, 347-857-1195, 347-857-1195. Again, the phone number to call in and ask Julie and I a question here live on air is 347-857-1195, or you can email your questions, and I have about a half dozen questions that we are going to use today on the air. Email your questions to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. But we'd love for some of you to call in again at uh, 347-857-1195. So, Julie, your coaching calls today. Again, uh, you know, Julie and I have obviously thousands of coaching students and coaching students, I'm sure, in every major metro market in the country and some in Canada and a few in Australia and some in Scotland and Ireland and Italy and all that good stuff. So, Julie, from your coaching calls today, share with us some an interesting story, a situation one of your students was experiencing or maybe a market-relevant, um, you know, something that will uh, illuminate the listeners, to what happens on a coaching call with you if you are their coach. Sure. Okay. So the one that came to mind first was one of my California agents, and she was frustrated because she has three what we would call AAA buyers. What's a AAA buyer? Somebody who is I'm sorry, pre-approved or cash responsive, only working with you, motivated all of those good logical things, and communicative. So she has these three great buyers between four and $500,000, three of them, but she can't find anything to sell them. Very frustrated, and I asked her, what are you doing to find property? And she was, oh, there's low inventory, there's nothing to find, blah, blah, blah. So what was she doing? Of course, relying on the MLS. Okay. So our call was about seven or eight different ways to find inventory where it isn't obvious all of which she had aha moments about, and now we had a very specific action plan because when she does that for them, she's going to make thirty dollars to $45,000 in commission, not to mention seriously go above and beyond to help these clients find the right house for them. But we talked okay, about a lot so of different ways you, that she could do that. 
Go ahead. You said something right there, and I want to go back and I want to review this. You said that you had a coaching call, again, one of your many coaching calls today, and the question was, Julie, I have these ready-to-go motivated buyers, and yet there's no inventory or nothing for sale that matches their requirements. And then you said, well, let's think about the other places where you might find homes for sale other than the MLS. That's what I heard you say? Exactly. Right. So share with the listeners some of those places where they might find inventory that's not necessarily on the MLS. Well, I would say my personal favorite category when the price is right to do this is new construction. Builders don't always put new construction in the MLS. You don't have inspection problems. Generally, you don't have to compete unless it happens to be a spec home with multiple offers. So I always go first to new construction because it's easy. They fall in love with it. You know, it's an easy sale and no inspection problems. So if there's no new construction that meets the criteria, either because none exists or the price range is wrong, then we go directly to expireds, withdrawns, temporarily off the market, and on hold properties using the same search criteria that you normally would in the MLS for active listings. Now you're going to look for things that are basically, you know, people who were trying to sell but gave up for some reason it either expired or was withdrawn. Or all the people that took to them off them. last fall, mm-hmm. or the people that took their houses yep. off last fall, saying, "I'll put it back for sale in the spring." And exactly. all those listings. Exactly. So those, those, pay attention to what Julie's saying. Okay, sorry for interrupting you. Go ahead. Well, so those are just a few examples, and the advantage to that is, here are people who you know were trying to sell their house. You can door knock them, bring your great pre-listing packs that we coach agents how to use that to the door. And here is an instance where you're not going to compete because it's not act- actively on the market you might actually be able to build some more commission in because you absolutely are doing the job of both sides, listing and buyer. You're the reason the deal's coming together. So you might make a point or two more, and the seller's still saving money. They're not having to live through showings. It's all good. You know, everyone's happy with that. Uh, so that's one of the ways you can pursue that. And the nice byproduct of all of these activities for finding listings that are not obviously on the market is, you're using the buyer as an uh, excuse to reach out. However, you can only sell one house to that buyer, so you're going to end up with more listings yourself through the fruit of your labor here and going after those types of scenarios. So you have that. Well, hold then. on here. That is, mm-hmm. that is so huge. Let's go, let's go back. Let's review that. So by the very nature of doing the activity of contacting the off-the-markets, the temporary off-the-markets, the expireds, and you, you didn't mention for sale by owners, but by the for sale by owners, sure. letting them know that you have this buyer that's ready to buy, just the very nature of doing that activity should result in you having some opportunities to list some properties. That's what I heard you say? Absolutely. You're just using the buyer as a springboard. Of course, you're doing the work for their benefit which, by the way, makes it easier for most agents to do this type of prospecting because that's what you're doing. You are prospecting. This is a pure prospecting event, but I find that most of our clients have an easier time doing that when they have a compelling reason to call. They're not just saying, hey, do you want to buy or sell? When would you like to move? They're instead saying, you know, I'm calling you today because I noticed you were trying to sell your home about six months ago. I have a well-qualified, pre-approved, highly motivated, non-contingent buyer who's looking in your exact neighborhood in your exact price range. Tell me and more about your for, situation. Go ahead. And, of course, the for sale by owner, their response is going to be, well, if you have a buyer like that, bring them by. 
And every other realtor that might be calling and acting like they have a buyer is going to have to two-step it and say, well, you know, maybe I have a buyer, maybe I don't. Whereas you're going to be able to say, yes, I have a buyer. I'll stop by on Saturday to see the home. And by the way, where are you planning on moving once this house sells? Well, we're moving to oh, Arizona. Oh, there's another transaction? Yes, exactly. So, guys, get into action. Don't just assume that all the listings are on the MLS. Dig in deep. You'll find that there are hundreds of homes even in markets like Palo Alto, California, that are available if you know where to look. Now, the last thing, uh, the last source of not on the MLS listings, obviously, are going to be other agents' pocket listings. Um, that is going to be more challenging. That is going to produce, generally speaking, the least results for you in terms of getting other agents to tell you about their pocket listings because their goal, obviously, is to double end it themselves. But you can eventually, over time, build a network of other listing agents. Now, think about that for a second. Most of the listings in your marketplace are going to be handled by a few agents. Those few agents are going to know fully well what they have coming for sale over the next 60 to 90 days. Network with those agents. Be very nice, very respectful, and I would not be surprised whatsoever if they occasionally threw you an opportunity to sell one of their unlist or non-MLS listings. So think out of the box, and please don't convince yourself that there's no inventory. Now, just another side note. Let the buyers know all this extra work that you're doing. Let the buyers know that you're going above and beyond to find them a home, and they will have no problem whatsoever signing that buyer agency agreement. Versus if you're just saying, well, I'm going to go to the MLS every day, or when the MLS emails me letting me know about a new listing, I'll let you know. Right. There's nothing special about that. Now, I'm going to give you one other bonus source of business, bonus source of listings. Again, this applies all this information to those of you who should be building your listing inventory, as well as those of you who have convinced yourself that there's no buyer, um, no homes for sale for your great motivated buyers. Go to the distressed property. Find out the folks in your community that are 60, 90 days behind in their mortgages when they're headed for foreclosure. This is the same activity you do if you're wanting to seek out short sale listings, which all of you should be doing. And then ask those folks, like, you know, are you ready? Basically use our scripts, and you will then discover more off the market, not necessarily publicly available homes for sale because those short sale owners are on their way to foreclosure, and they're going to be more than happy to welcome in an easy, smooth transition into a rental so that they don't have to worry about facing a foreclosure. Then obviously you're going to list that house, you're going to sell that house to your buyer, and you're going to have to close that house as a short sale for your buyer. If you don't know how to do it and you're one of our coaching students, obviously you need to ask. Does that make sense, Jules? Absolutely, it does. And in fact, most agents would shy away from targeting that short sale because they're thinking that that's going to be added hassle. I would contend that it's actually less hassle in low inventory markets because that short sale seller is then going to rent. You don't have to have the conversation with them that you do with everyone else. I would sell my house, but where am I going to live? That's right. Exactly. So All right. There are so advantages. Go ahead. Again, guys, we are unquestionably at the very start of what will be a seven-year powerful recovery in the housing market. Last year, a lot of you think, well, housing came back. Uh Uh-uh. Last year, housing was just getting ready to get started to come back, and we're going to see as the months roll on into 2014 that this will be the start of a great, long-lasting real estate recovery. And I'll go as far as to say there might even be a little bubble forming in some markets 
uh, because of the distinct lack of inventory. There's a lack of inventory for a whole host of reasons. We can talk about that on another call. But I do not see any reason to believe that that situation is going to be changing anytime soon. So expect in many ways last year to feel, or this year to feel a lot like last year. Um, and, but at the same time, there will be more opportunities for you to list properties. All right. So for those of you who are ready to call in and speak directly with Julie and myself about uh, today's topic, which is, what is it today, Julie? The seven biggest mistakes agents are making in today's market. That's right. The seven biggest mistakes that agents are making in today's market. And we have seven great points to share with you. But if you'd like to call in directly, please do so at 347-857-1195. 347-857-1195, or email your questions to questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. All right, Jules, so let's get into this. Now, again, Julie and I and all of our coaches, all of our faculty and staff, we have done literally tens of thousands of coaching calls. Julie and I have easily over 100,000 coaching calls under our belts. That's 30-minute in, intense conversations with agents like all of you on this uh, radio show listening today and listening in replay. So what we've learned over the years is that there are really arguably seven, maybe ten really common mistakes that agents are making in today's market that can completely derail any chances of them having any real success in this industry. And these are so easy to make uh, because, frankly, there are these opportunities to make these mistakes are surrounding you constantly. It's very difficult to separate the truth from all the BS. There's so much noise out there right now as far as all these different things that are coming at you, uh, people trying to sell you leads, do this, do that, do the other thing. And if you've been tuned into Julie and I for a while, as many of you have, you know that we cut through all that Mickey Mouse and we just tell you exactly what to do to make money. Our number one focus when we're speaking all with, uh, to all of you either publicly like we are now or privately on a coaching call the thought that's on the top of our mind at all times is how are we going to help you make money the fastest? That, frankly, is the most important thing that a real estate coach can do for you, and everything else comes as a distant second, third, and whatnot. So, Julie, let's just roll right into this. The seven biggest mistakes, point number one. Point number one, and these are almost always the same mistakes in any market, in any price range. So before you say, well, that doesn't apply to me, these are common. These are things that we have heard over and over time and again on hundreds of thousands of coaching calls. So obviously, these are things to conquer. Number one, not understanding urgency, not having any urgency, and particularly with regards to following up on leads. So urgency. Let's talk about urgency. What are your lead follow-up rules? How long, in your mind, is it okay to wait from when you get a buyer or seller lead and when you decide to call them back. Do you even have a rule? So the number one complaint that closed, recently closed transactions, you know, consumers have about the experience they had with their realtor, the number one complaint is lack of communication. Alice goes as far as to say the number one thing that separates the top 1% of all realtors from the other 99%, the number one thing that makes them different is their urgency, how long they take to follow up on leads, how long they take to return an email, how long they take to call a seller back when the seller says, listen, I want to interview you to list my house. Think about that for a second. If you want to be successful in this business, oh, by the way, any business, if you want to be successful, 
and you want to have an advantage over your competition, which all of you must be seeking at all times, simply follow up on your leads faster than they are. Which and what and Julie, what are your rules that you set for your coaching students? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think you ask an interesting question, which is what do they have any rules to begin with so we can compare that? And then what should it be? Well, I like to put myself in the standpoint of the prospect, the potential client. If I'm calling on your for sale sign, how fast do I expect the information back? And I think across the board, assuming they're motivated, is as soon as humanly possible. So on our team, the rule was in less than a minute, not five minutes, not tonight, not the same day, not tomorrow, not by the end of the week, not when you feel broke. It's immediately. So urgency equals abundance. The faster you call your leads back, the faster you sort them out, the faster you set appointments, and ultimately that translates to speeding up the time in between your closings. It actually sort of filters through to getting more deals done. So, Julie, let's share with them 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE. Guys, there's a system – that Julie and I used a very similar system when we were selling real estate, and all of our top coaching students use this system. And it's trust me, it's going to be very, very painfully obvious why you want to use this as well. It's called 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM, 1-800, and the number, you know, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. Check out the website. Decide if it's for you. It's free for the first 30 days. You know, what essentially it allows you to do is have lightning-fast follow-up with all your leads. It's arguably the best system that there is to generate your own leads off your own listings or generate your own leads off ads or generate your own leads off the Internet even. It is, um, and thereafter, after the first 30 days, it's only, I think, 35 bucks a month, so it's dirt cheap. So check that out, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. Julie, can you share with them a story maybe from one of your coaching clients or from our own real estate practice about how urgency made a difference and literally put money in your uh, coaching client's pocket? Sure, absolutely, and this is sort of a universal story I've heard from many of them where once they get clear on this that the client, the prospect, expects an immediate answer, now they start doing things like taking their sign calls seriously, and here's a common thing that is missed by many agents. The assumption is on a sign call that it's a buyer calling, when in fact, as soon as it's a new listing, you have your 800 number up there for free 24-hour recorded info call, with your extension, who are the first people who call on a new listing? It's the neighbors checking the price. Why do they do that? Because they're considering selling their home, where most agents blow that off thinking, oh, it's just another buyer lead. I don't have any inventory to sell them anyway, so I'm not going to Or they say, oh, it's just the neighbors wasting time. Or it's just basically (laughs) they don't take the opportunity seriously. Exactly. Now, what happens when they call immediately back? Again, change of mindset here. Taking it seriously, calling immediately back using the script where they ask something like, which home in the neighborhood do you already own? Now, Or which house in they, the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? Exactly. Now, the common comment across the board is, I can't believe you called me right back. And then silence. Like they're just in disbelief. Is this a recording? Sometimes they'll ask. Right. And then you can – build your rapport, ask good questions, use the script, and probably you're going to end up with at least one or two listing leads, especially early on in that new listing. Now, buyers will say the same thing. Typically, buyers will say, gosh, I can't believe you answered the phone if they did the zero transfer, or I can't believe you actually called me back. I've called 12 real estate signs in this area, and all I get is voicemail constantly. I can't believe you're there. 
And it, uh, many times that person will also have a home to sell. And the reason they choose you as the listing agent is because you were the only one there when they had a question to be answered. Okay, so here's another interesting statistic for all of you. Thank you, Julie. Sure. Most of everyone, and this is not just true for real estate, it's true for anything in sales, most consumers will work with the first salesperson that they meet. Think about that for a second. Like, so for example, in the, in the new car, I read, I actually watched a video about this on um, YouTube, and it was a guy who trains uh, new car salespeople, and he had a whole bunch of interesting statistics, and the bottom line was, is that if someone walks onto the new car lot to buy a new car, the first salesperson that they walk up to, even if they end up going to five other dealerships, there's almost a 100% chance that they're going to come back and buy the car from the first guy that they met. Now, the same is true for real estate if you follow up. If you follow up, the same is true. So if you meet them in an open house or if they call off one of your signs and you call them back through 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE or any of the other dozens of ways that you can communicate directly with potential buyers and sellers, call them back immediately. Immediately is less than a minute. Unless you're like in a closing, they barely or, hung up, and you're calling them. Right, that's the goal. You, if you are the person that calls them back immediately, you will forever impress upon them that you're special and unique, and everyone that they might contact after you, because they will contact other realtors after you. Trust me, they will. But everyone they contact after you, guess what? They are going to get around to calling them back. They're going to maybe email them back the same day. You guys know how it is when you're communicating with each other. When was the last time you were able to call a realtor directly and actually have them answer? You know, well, yeah, it's the, crazy, the but it's true. is also the number one realtor complaint about each other. Yeah, that's funny, huh? So listen, if you want to participate in today's radio show, you can do so by calling 31347. I see we have some callers. 1347-857-1195. One three four seven eight five seven one one nine five, or you can email in your questions at questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. Questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. So here's an interesting statistic for you, Julie, about our radio show. We're actually having more people download and listen to the radio show in replay on iTunes than we are listen live. And we're uh, it's pretty, I think, interesting that so many agents are saving us on their computers and their iPads and whatnot to listen to us later. And that's great, too. So for those of you who want to participate in the show and can't listen to us live, remember, email directly, uh, I'm sorry, questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. All right. Big, huge, common, career-ending mistake. I'm giving the title of this call more drama. Number two, and this one is really critical. Everyone pay attention to this, especially if you're a Keller Williams agent. Leading with expense versus leading with revenue. Leading with expense versus leading with revenue. What the heck does that mean, Julie Harris? Huh, leading with expense versus revenue. Well, this would be the typical realtor way, and that's where you respond to the person who comes into your office and pitches the latest, greatest way to, say, buy buyer leads or to lead generate because you buy this and it's going to solve all of your lead generation problems, and you go, that's fantastic, sign me up. And then you probably go on to your next appointment, forget that you did it, till you get your credit card statement, and you go, what in the world did I sign up for? Very common. Leading with expense can also mean paying an exorbitant fee for something like office space that you don't actually need. It can come in many different flavors versus actually having a budget that you're tuned into 
that you stick to, and having things like a savings goal and a savings standard. All of my coaching clients save a minimum of 10% off of every commission check, no matter what. They save 20% into a tax account so that when their taxes are due, they don't have a panic attack. They simply write the check and be done with it. But also, most importantly, is before they pay any other bills, including their taxes, by the way, they pay themselves first into their savings account. That's so right. when we say lead with revenue, what we say with lead with revenue is the exact opposite of what a lot of you have been doing for years in your career. Is you're going into debt for that postcard campaign that really doesn't work. You're going You'll into just pay it debt. Off later. Exactly. You're going into debt to go to that real estate conference where, if we're just being honest, it's really not worth going because you're going to forget everything you learned when you uh, got when you get back after about three days. Going into debt to do all these other silly marketing things or being convinced that you need to become a real estate brand. Oh my God, that's the most important thing. Oh, yes, when people think of real estate, that's right. When people think, oh, "What are you a cow?" I mean, come on, people. I mean, think about this. The reality of it is, you can do all that stuff later. You can do it all never, frankly. It doesn't really matter. You can do it all later if you choose to spend your money there, but you have to lead with revenue. You are in this business to make a profit. There is a word you shouldn't be that is never used. shouldn't be paying a web designer. I'm sorry. My thing came to mind off of a coaching call today that you shouldn't be paying a web designer monthly every single month if you don't have anything pending. This doesn't make sense. That's right. So here's the moral of the story here, guys, is lead with revenue. Invest in learning how to actually lead generate without spending money. Put some money in the bank. Don't put a bunch of debt in, in, on a credit card. It's so common that realtors will believe that the only way for them to make money is by spending money. The only way for you to make money, guys, is by investing in your ability to generate money from your own skill set. That is a reality that so few agents are being told, and frankly, it's scary because if you look at the washout rate in this industry, it hasn't improved in decades. It's still right. 24 months and most agents are out. I'd love to have a well, survey done. I'd love to have a survey done that asks, okay, after 24 months, if you weren't able to stay in the industry, please tell us all the things that you paid for to try to lead generate. And I pretty much can guarantee you that they did all the social networking and the websites and the this and the that and the other, and none of that stuff generated enough business to sustain their careers beyond you know, maybe a transaction or two. Think about that, guys. That would be a very, guys. very interesting survey because there, you know, when, you, it, when you invest in your skill, that's what is long-lasting. An example would be agents who, create all the, who pay for all this lead generation stuff, but they don't actually have buyer or seller lead follow-up scripts that they even use. So they're creating maybe some leads, maybe not, depending on what they've invested in, and yet they don't have the skill developed to do anything about the lead. So it's right. skills that will get you through. And a very salient example, I think, is what's happened to some of the REO agents that were dependent on one or two relationships, and that was their gravy train, and that company went away, got took, taken over by FDIC or what have you. And now those REO agents, one of the common panic attack calls that I get is, I can't believe I have a, quote, normal listing presentation to go on. It's been so long, what do I do? <laughs> you want to hear panic, right. talk to somebody that's been doing nothing but the same thing over and over. It's or, your or skill a lot of our set students, that lasts. A lot of our students who are smart enough to learn how to do short sales, right, years ago, when we told the market, when we told the nation, 
when we're the first to let everyone know that this market is shifting and you better learn how to do short sales, we led the, we led the way on that. No one disputes that. And all the agents learn how to do short sales, they have forgotten how to do normal business. They've forgotten how to do normal transactions. Huh. Well, Because they let their look, skill stagnate. In most markets, you have to still do short sales, and you will for probably the rest of your careers. That is a fact. But you still are going to have to learn how to or relearn how to take advantage of what would be the non-distressed market and the non-distressed opportunities. All right, point number three, and, man, this is one I honestly Hmm. – I can't believe this is even happening. Well, but truthfully, I mean, this next point, Julie and I talked about this, and I still can't believe so many agents are doing this. It is crazy. Paying for buyer leads. Point number three, paying for buyer leads. A lot of you guys are spending money, in many cases money that you don't have, to buy buyer leads. Why are you doing that? Explain it to me. Explain to me why you're buying buyer leads. I don't get it. Seriously. Send me an email, questions at realestatecoachingradio.com, or call in on our number. Let me know why you're buying buyer leads. And some of you are paying $25, $50 per buyer lead. An average of one of these buyer lead selling companies, you know, you guys know the ones I'm talking about, it's close to $250 a month that you guys are spending for buyer leads. Buyer leads, really? Do you know how easy buyer leads are to get? Do you know how abundant buyer leads are to attract? Do you know how simple that is? Buyer leads are the easiest thing in the world to, to get. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if you were to to rate easiest to most challenging, buyers would have to be number one. Again, call in, argue with us, debate three four seven eight five seven one one nine five. Buyer leads, guys, please stop paying for buyer leads. Please stop paying these website lead generation companies for buyer leads. It makes no sense. Here's a little secret for you. If you want to generate easily a dozen buyer leads per month for free, take one listing. Take one listing and put 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE on, uh, on the writer on the sign. Run Craigslist ads using our sample Craigslist ads uh, using the 800 number, 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. You will get dozens of buyer leads. Dozens! Have an open house yeah. the way we coach you to do it so that it's actually effective. There's the reason at least 10 that, different things to implement that are super easy, cheap, or free. You guys have convinced yourselves that you need to be doing business with companies to sell you buyer leads because you've never learned to do it yourself. Learn to do it yourself. It's easy. It's cheap. And buyers are plentiful. The, literally, guys, for every one listing you take, and it doesn't even matter if it's a mobile home in the middle of the field, you can easily generate dozens of buyer leads. If you just implement really what amount to free systems that we teach you as part of the coaching program, we shared with you on this call today many of them. Again, go to 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. That's one of the easiest and quickest things you can implement. Uh, get our coaching students, make sure you're using and implementing all the ads that we give you that are designed to generate buyer leads. But please, folks, please stop spending money on buyer leads. It makes no sense. Point number four, Julie. Point number four is having zero time management. Not understanding time management, not doing anything about it, not following a schedule. And for some agents, this also means seeming like you're busy all the time. It's not necessarily lack of time management because you don't have anything going on. Usually this comes up when you do have some things going on, but you're spending an awful lot of time doing stuff that doesn't lead to a paycheck. Can I share a coaching uh, call that I had this morning? Okay, so I'm not going to use his name, Dan, from Houston. 
So I'm on a coaching call <laughs> with, with this person who I won't mention his name, and uh, he's someone I coached a while ago. He then got out of the real estate business, getting back in the real estate business, hiring me to get, uh, be his coach again because he told me that he made the most amount of money in his career when I was his personal coach. Makes sense. I'm his coach again. So Perfect. I had my first coaching call with him last, what is today, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever day it is, last week, and uh, had a great call. Good to reconnect with him. I gave him Three very simple things to do. At no point really talking about it on this call, but three very simple things to do that would lead directly to him putting money in his pocket, which is always our most prominent, dominant thought every time we're on a coaching call with any of you. How can we help you make money the fastest? So he did none of them. Zero, zilch, none. Fine. So I get on the phone with him this week, asked him if he got his homework done. He didn't. I asked him, so what did you get done? He said, well, I was busy with this, I was busy with that. Okay, great. So what were you busy with specifically? And then he told me what he was busy with. He, I had a buyer I was working with, a contract I was negotiating, a listing I took, and some other Mickey Mouse. Excellent. Those are good things to do. So how much time did you spend on each of those activities? And then he, you know, oh, I'm not really sure how much time I spent on that. Well, so then I said, all right, so let's just say on the taking of the listing, that took four hours. Probably took one, but I said four. And then there was the other things he mentioned he did. So we came up with what amounted to about 10 to maybe 15 hours worth of work. So he legitimately was busy 10 to 15 hours since our last call. And yet, if he's working a normal, you know, hourly job, he still had another, what, 25 hours in that last week. Realistically, not including the weekends, not including the mornings, not including the evenings, that he could have gotten the three simple things done. But he didn't get them done. He didn't get them done. But I'm sure he told you he was busy. Of course. And all of you, it's the number one thing that we hear from you guys. I'm just so busy. You're not busy. busy. You don't know how to manage your time. And, And really, time management as a term is kind of a misnomer. That's the truth. I mean, you can't really manage time. Time is linear. How can you manage something that's, you know, conceptual, really? Sorry, we aren't going to get into a physics conversation. But the reality of it is, is all we're asking you to do is have a scheduled day where you get done every single day, at least five activities that are designed to make you money. And we ask you to do those activities in the morning. So every one of our coaching students, you have been given a schedule or will be given a schedule, and you need to implement it, and you need to follow it as closely as you can every single day. That way, whether you have a sale or make money that particular day, it doesn't really matter because you've done the activities that will will lead to a sale, that will lead to a listing, that will lead to money in your pocket provided you do those things every day. Never forget the six-month payment cycle in real estate. That is the time from when you make an initial contact with a potential seller or buyer and the time you get your paycheck. Even in hot markets, it's going to be like 90 to 120 days. So think about that for a second. That's a critical thing, especially for those of you who are new in the business. The contacts you make, the relationships that you take, the contracts that you have signed – They aren't going to get you paid tomorrow or next month or the month after. That's money you're going to be taking in June or July of this year. So if you didn't do anything to proactively lead generate or get any contracts signed or any other things we ask you to do as one of our coaching students, come June or July, you're not going to have any money. Julie, help me drive down on this concept for these guys. Well, I actually have my coaching clients who have been slackers in the way that you describe. Flip their calendar forward. Well, I'm sorry, but they're in this to make money last time I checked. So let's say that you had kind of an off week, although you were busy, okay, but you didn't produce anything new, no new appointments, no new leads, et cetera. 
I actually have them get out their calendar and flip forward 90 days to six months and put a big zero with a dollar sign next to it because that's what they've signed themselves up to do is make nothing for that week 90 days to six months out. And I think for some of them that kind of drives it home that you are signing yourself up to have no closings that week. Now, what's that going to do to your plan this week knowing that? Well, here's another thing that we do is we ask how much money you have saved, and some of you have a couple speckles saved. And then we ask you how much money you have to spend. This is an interesting exercise for all of you to do because this is using a little bit of honest-to-God fear to get you to do the things that maybe you're resisting doing. How much money do you have saved? Okay, you have $10,000 saved. How much money do you spend per month? Okay, you spend $10,000 to pay your bills, to pay whatever you have to pay. Okay, so you have approximately one month's worth of savings. Out of curiosity, how much money do you spend per day, you and your family, that you have to support? (laughs) Yes, it is. So if you take that $10,000 you have to spend every month to make your mortgage payment, to pay for the private school, whatever your bills are, it could be $3,000, it doesn't matter. Figure out how much money you actually take per day to exist. Just to run you, whether you're feeling spendy today and go to Nordstrom's or not, just to run you because you're living, breathing, eating, you have a grocery bill, a gas bill, you probably have a school bill for your kids, you have different things you're doing. So if your burn rate is $10,000 per month, that's $333 per day. If you did nothing today to replace that $333, you are on the fast track to being broke. That's just the reality. We're, we're not making any of this up. These are real numbers. So point number five, guys, and we talked about this at the top of the call, so we're just going to review this point. We're going to get right to point number six. Is relying, again, these are the seven mistakes that we're seeing a lot of realtors fall victim to, fall prey to, making in this marketplace that will totally and completely screw up your year. Guys, it's still early enough in the year that you literally can have the best year in your real estate career ever. It's only basically the beginning of February, but if you wait until like end of February, March, and you have to play catch-up, it's going to be 10 times harder because all the other competitors, all the other realtors are going to start coming out of the woodwork to take their spring listings. Your competition is going to go through the roof at about 30 to 60 days. You can listen to me, and you can take me seriously now, or you can wish you would have 60 to 90 days from now. So please, guys, do the right thing and get to work now. So point number five, again, is relying only on the MLS to find homes for buyers. And if you didn't hear Julie and I discussing that, listen to the beginning of this broadcast again because we gave a lot of detail on that. All right, point number six. Now, this probably is, again, I mean, all these points kind of grind me, but this point in particular I think is almost comical because how it actually shows up on our radar. Point number six, building a team, building a team before you have the skills yourself, let alone the revenue yourself, to substantiate any sort of, you know, staff. Building a team before you're actually able. So, Julie, talk about that. How does that happen? Because we do get the occasional coaching call or the occasional uh, agent calling us saying, well, I want you to teach me how to build a team, or I want you to take my buyer's agent and teach them how to be a listing agent, or I want you to teach my buyer's agent how to go out and, you know, whatever it is, do BPOs, and yet you don't know how to do them yourself. Talk about that. That's very common, and I would say probably the first thing that I hear, the most common one is when I ask about who's handling their buyer sides. Well, I hired two buyer agents, and they're supposed to convert all my leads. But they're not tracking it. They're not using any scripts. They've done zero training. And then they get mad at those buyer's agents for not closing anything. 
Then they fire the buyer agents, and meanwhile, nobody followed up on the leads, and there's no revenue to continue. So now that agent is back in the same boat they were in, only with less money. Exactly. And again, they think they have been led to believe that the way you become successful in the real estate business is you build a team before you actually build the skills within yourself. Well, and you can I apply that guys... to any team member, right? It could be the transaction coordinator where you are trying to delegate that transaction work, say, for example, on closing a short sale, and yet you have no short sale closing experience yourself. How are you going to hold that team member accountable? But this same analogy, this, this same problem is not just faced within the real estate industry. People of all different businesses. Imagine if you, for example, were, you know, it's interesting. I had a call today who's uh, um, with a, a coaching client, and her husband used to own a company that made pies. I mean, wouldn't that be a fun business, <laughs> making Definitely. pies all day? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, imagine, imagine if you were in the pie-making business, and you decided that you were going to make pies before you, had the, before you knew how to make a pie, before you had a customer, before you actually had any of the practical skills necessary to build a successful pie business. You go out and lease space, you buy equipment, you hire staff, you do all that, you have your logo designed, your website designed, and all this, even though you've never actually learned how to make the product yourself. No one would do that, right? That's insanity. And no. yet a lot of you are thinking that's how you go about becoming a successful agent. You go and build your team. You have staff before you right. yourself actually know how to do the tasks. And well, so why do you have do that? Why do they do that, Julie? You tell me. Well, I, I hear a lot that if we're really drilling down, it's because they just don't want to deal with converting leads, so they hire buyer agents. They just don't well, want to deal I'll, with transactions. I'm not a paperwork person. I'll just hire somebody. It's called lazy? Lazy. Can, can and we say that? It could be lazy. It could be a touch of ego now and then that I shouldn't have to do paperwork, that sort of thing. I shouldn't have to work with buyers. Oh, no, we don't want to work with buyers. You go to a, you know, you go to a conference. You go to a conference, and the people up on stage are these top producers, and they have these teams of 30 people, and you're sitting in the audience, and you think, because they say it, you're thinking, well, I need to have a team. I need to have a team, and then all the money will come to me. Okay, here's a cold, hard fact. Again, something that people very, very rarely talk about. Teams, if you build, let's say, for example, you do it the right way. You learn how to be a top producer yourself. And then our theory is, is once you've consistently done eight transactions per month for three months in a row, in this market, depending on your price range, to be honest, then it's time for you to actually add an, add an admin, add a staff member. Now, you can fluctuate on that, again, depending on your particular situation and your particular price range. I say price range because in some markets, if you sell three houses, that's more than the same revenue that someone who's selling eight houses, and revenue is what we but leave with. But they still with, need so to do sense. it at least you know, 90 days. It's not just having one every, good month. That's right. That's when you add your first assistant. So again, depending on your price range, you will do have, have you have to have consistent closings for 90 days in a row, and then you're ready to hire your first staff member. That's how it works, and then you build from there. But here's a little secret for all of you: and without exception, virtually all of the most profitable realtors in the country, and these are people making 50 and 60% profit margins. They sell a house for a million dollars, the commission is 30,000, they keep 15. All of those guys have small teams, small efficient teams that focus primarily on listings. Now, here's what happens. In the, I would say, uh, faddish 
team model that started in the late 80s and really you know, became popular in the 90s, became really, really popular in the early 2000s and sort of went pop when the real estate market went pop in 2007-ish. Now it's starting to make its way back. Those teams produce virtually no profit for the owner, for the rainmaker, for the person who started it. The person whose picture's on the sign, name's on the door, will make, if they're lucky, 20% before taxes. So I want you guys to think about this. Let's say, I'm going to use round numbers because Julie and I were English majors, and it's easier for us to do <laughs> use round numbers when we're figuring out math. Okay, let's say, for example, you right now are selling, how, uh, making $300,000 a year. Some of you are like, wow, that'd be awesome. But you all get there. So let's just say your business is grossing $300,000. You're doing it by yourself. You don't have any staff. So you're making after expenses, let's say, $250,000 or $260,000 a year. To make that same, this is you doing it yourself. You're following our coaching. You're doing what we ask you to do. You're, you know, you're not working too hard, but you're staying focused every single day. You are a professional. Congratulations, you're successful. Now, you put in the bank, you know, before taxes, right around 270 after taxes. Let's say, you know, whatever it is, depending on your tax bracket, depending on your write-offs. Now, for you to make the same 270,000 dollars. If you had a traditional team, as a lot of you are being led to believe you should have, which in our opinion is a huge mistake, unless, of course, your goal is not to make profit, unless your goal is not to become wealthy from actually doing this, and if that's, your, if that's the case, then go ahead and do your team, but you would have to sell, you would have to gross around $1.2 million to have the same net profit as an agent earning $300,000 doing the work themselves. So think about that. You have to sell fewer houses, and you have to you, you basically have fewer people to manage if you do it yourself and have usually more profit earning three hundred thousand than the person up on stage who brags about the fact that they earn over a million dollars per year for their team isn't that interesting? Have you ever Very thought about that what and I remember the first time that we had that aha moment because we were kind of on that track to keep building the team making it bigger and bigger and more and more transactions. Yep. And I remember hearing from an agent who I believe his GCI was around three million, and he had a staff of like something crazy, like fourteen buyers agents or Pat something Hyman. insane. It was was Pat, yeah. Yep. And but the net was basically the same as an agent doing five to six hundred thousand with a much smaller team. It's not that we're yeah. anti-team. We're anti lead with expense. We're anti hire somebody to do a job that you don't know how to do yourself. We're anti drive your net down to the point where you don't have any. So it's not that we don't believe in having buyers agents and transaction coordinators Staff and all and that, all that. Kind of thing. Okay, it's just that there's a certain way to do it that doesn't make you broke. And I I would also add Tim that there is a myth out there that when you have a team well you get to sit on the beach all day and the team does everything for you there's really nothing left for you to do you can just collect your paychecks right when in fact there's a whole lot of management that goes on with having staff and having to talk to people and hold them accountable assuming that you want to be profitable if not well have fun with that well and Julie just said something really important I mean how many of you actually got into the business of selling real estate to become an administrator of a real estate team because that is the position in which you will find yourselves. You will find yourself essentially going from being someone who works directly with buyers and sellers to somebody basically who is having to train, manage, and oversee the team members that you've hired to work directly with the buyers and sellers. Just think about this, guys. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I it sounds good are... to call yourself team leader. I mean, that well, sounds it does. Good. 
it's all ego, guys. It's ego. <laughs> okay, it is. Exactly. It just is. Most teams, 99% of the teams out there, the rainmaker. If I'll tell you what, I mean, a good buyer's agent on one of those teams can make way more money than the team, the team leader by a country mile. You know, that's true the because guys, they have no expenses. They have no expenses, and their leads are being fed to them. And there's some high-priced yeah. transaction coordinator there to close all the deals. The reality of it is, is that in most markets, in most cases, the most profitable real estate practices consist of someone who is generating leads every day someone to close the transactions, and maybe an assistant, and maybe one buyer's assistant. Okay, Those are the most profitable teams. They're small. So here's another little problem with teams. You guys, a lot of you who have been with us for a long time, some of you have been uh, with Julie and I in one form or another for about 20 years, you guys know that when the market shifts, it doesn't, just, it doesn't put out a red flag saying, Mar- warning, market shift ahead. It just shifts. You guys remember 2007, approximately September, when the subprime lenders in California started closing their doors? How many of these big team leaders burned through their savings almost overnight trying to support the teams, not knowing how long the real estate crash was going to last? And it wasn't just burning through the savings. They burned through their rental property equity. They burned through every last dollar, and some of them even lost their own homes as a result. That's 100% sad and 100% true. That is what happened with a lot of these teams. That's the reason that a lot of these guys that have these big teams, you see them restructuring themselves now as housing is stabilizing, and they're not doing it like they did it before because many of them hopefully have learned their lessons. Please, learn your lesson. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, I'll do it in my Chinese. No, I won't do it in my Chinese accent. Someone will get mad. <laughs> but here, here it is. A smart man learns from his mistakes. A brilliant man learns from the mistakes of others. That's what coaching is all about, walking the footsteps of other people so you don't have to make the same mistakes so you can make money faster. Just makes sense, doesn't it? Point number seven, Julie. Point number seven is operating your business without an actual business plan, without goals, without knowing your numbers, without knowing what it actually takes to meet or exceed what you have to earn in real estate. You know, I see this all the time when I teach the uh, treasure map, real estate treasure map, and, you know, our coaching clients get that as part of their coaching, where one of the first questions I ask is, what does it cost for you to run yourself and your family? And everybody kind of guesstimates at that, kind of maybe has a little bit of a grip of that, but when I ask them to actually look in your checkbook, look at all the payments that you're making, look at your visa, and it's almost always about 20% more than what people think it costs, then I ask them to apply any income from their spouse, significant other, rental properties, et cetera. And eventually we come up with an exact amount based on real goals that you need to be making in order for you not just to get by. I don't think anybody ever gets into real estate just to get by, but through the real estate recession and other factors, some agents have come to that reality that it's okay to just kind of pay your bills. I know when you got your license, that wasn't the goal. It was to move yourself and your family forward in life. That has a price tag. What's that actual amount divided by the net commission to you on an average transaction? That tells you how many transactions you have to do per month. Well, how are you going to get those transactions? That's when we get to talking about being a listing agent. How many listings must you have at all times to create that consistent income? That's a big conversation that most agents never have. Coaching clients and real estate coaching essentials, Pay attention. Level one is all about what Julie's talking about. It's getting your real estate treasure map done. Uh, bewilders me that a lot of you are taking too much time to get that done. 
get it done. It's big. It requires you to think. It asks detailed questions that a lot of you, frankly, are afraid to have answered. But get it done. It's your treasure map. It is your road to where you want to be away from where many of you choose not to or want to be any longer. Your treasure map is exactly as Julie just said. It's your truth on paper, your truth about where you are and where you want to be in front of you. You can't hide from it. Now, some of you are going to say, oh, Tim, it's too detailed. It takes too long. Guys, you are entrepreneurs and business people. You are entrepreneurs and business people first, then salespeople. If you are going to be a salesperson before you are going to be a business person, you will be broke because you have to learn to make a plan, follow a plan, save money, manage money. These are all parts of running a business, which you are. If you're confused about if you're a salesperson or if you are a business owner, realizing that your real estate license says salesperson on it, how does the IRS treat you if you don't pay your taxes? They treat you like a business owner, don't they? When you're applying right. for a mortgage and you put on the application what you do for a living, and you say, realtor, they know you're a private, you're an, a business owner, you're an entrepreneur. They you ask are, you for a profit and loss. They take it right. seriously. So why does the IRS take your business more seriously than, than you do, some of you? <laughs> well, That's exactly. That's kind of a scary thought, right? So we are treating you like business owners. We want you to think of yourself as a business owner. Guys, come on now. This is not that difficult. Get your treasure map completed if you are now, having it, any it's, troubles. It's with your normal, Tim, for them to have momentary freakouts when they go through the treasure map. I typically get the same comments and reactions. Why, that was a scary process now that I know what my yeah. real expenses and my real goals are. But I, then the next comment is always the same. But what a relief to actually be clear on my economic status, my goals, and what I need to do. What a relief that is. Now I can sleep well at night knowing that I have some direction. For the first time in many cases. Indeed. So why wouldn't a realtor, why wouldn't one of our coaching students want to get their treasure map done? Why do you think they would avoid it? Well, maybe they're too busy, 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 and don't have time management, you know, one of our other points. But really... I think that until you've actually done it, it's hard to see the obvious value in it. And all the agents that have done it, they're very clear on it, and they get addicted to it, and they do it year after year. Some of them quarter after quarter. They do a new one every quarter. You can do that as well. But why wouldn't they do it? Maybe they're hiding out from their own reality. I Honestly, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. You and I don't operate without having specific goals, business, family, I know financial. why. I, I, I know why, because I ask people this all the time, why you didn't get it done. Number one reason is because is if they write something down they don't accomplish it, then they're going to feel like they failed. It's accountability. Yes, it's accountability. That's a scary and what thing. An interesting, what an interesting mindset, too. If I write something down if I don't, and I don't accomplish it, I'm somehow a failure. Guess what? You're a failure if you don't write it down in the first, in the first <laughs> right. place. Exactly. So the You'd rather thing be you're... accountable to your bill collectors? That's not that much the, fun. The very thing that you are trying to avoid in that particular case, feeling like a failure, you're creating. You're manifesting in yourself. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. So I just checked realestatetreasuremap.com if you're not one of our coaching students, and you can download the business plan. Yes, it costs money. realestatetreasuremap.com. If you're one of our coaching students in uh, Real Estate Coaching Essentials or any of our private coaching uh, uh, classes or uh, private I'm sorry, coaching programs, you, of course, get that also for free. So, again, guys, if you are not a Harris Real Estate University, Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate coaching client, you can go to realestatetreasuremap.com. 
and get your own real estate treasure map business plan. It is almost February. If you do not have your business plan yet, what the heck are you thinking? So, Julie, as we wrap up today's call, I mean, as we, I'm sort of curious. From all the coaching calls you've done so far this week, wouldn't you agree or not, feel free not to agree, that mm-hmm. for the most part, people are more optimistic, our students, are, our clients are more optimistic, more in gear, more focused, having more opportunity now than they have for almost the past at least seven years? Absolutely. I would 100% agree with that. The amount of listings that are coming, basically pocket listings, as we've discussed on previous calls, uh, is at an all-time high. I mean, every agent I talk to has listings that are coming. We talk about scripts on how to get those listings on the market sooner than the spring market. That's very typical. The general energy and enthusiasm for the market is better. I'm seeing a little bit more creativity in the mortgage market, which I think is an indicator personally. Let's see. But generally, yeah, people are feeling happier, more encouraged. Now, some of these guys are dealing with epic weather issues right now. And we had a lot of calls about that this week. So we were discussing what to do when you're having any kind of a drama. Call your past clients. They're all marooned. They're home. Get your real estate treasure map done. Exactly. Yeah, get your business plan done. Get to work. You know, <laughs> right. it's not it's not such a bad thing. So yeah, I would say probably more enthusiastic than any year I've heard since two thousand seven. I agree completely. And, I, and so if you're not feeling motivated, if you're not realizing that this is the first year and a long, you know, it's going to be a probably seven to ten year real estate recovery, if you're not in that groove, if you're not feeling that energy, if you're not getting the benefit of the changing market, do something about it. Don't just yeah, you know what it feels like for... to me. It feels like kind of how people were awakening to when the recession hit, when yes. it was 2000, 2007, and eight, where people were like, "Hmm, something's going on. What's happening here?" I feel like it's going that way only in a positive direction, but that the agents that don't pay attention are again going to be left in the dust. That's exactly it. I mean, again, Julie and I were one of the first in the nation to say, "Hey, agents, wake up! You're going to have to help your underwater owners." We don't have any underwater owners. Wait six months. And sure enough, what happened? Prices in the country dropped by 50% in some markets, Las Vegas, even more. So the reality of it is, guys, is we warned you then what was coming, and that was warning the, you the bad stuff was coming, arguably, depending on your mindset. And now we're notifying you, notice I'm not using a, warning, a word warning, of the same change, but this is a positive change. So we are enlightening you of the opportunity that there was going to be in distress, and now we're enlightening you to the opportunity that there is going to be making money, helping people in the recovery, in the true recovery, in the long-lasting 7- to 10-year recovery that we're just at the very beginning stages of experiencing. Do something about it, would you? So in the If future, you're not sure tomorrow, what to do, seek help. That's what we do, yes, by the way. That's right. So call us tomorrow, um, and uh, we will be live tomorrow between 2 and 3 p.m. Central Time, 12 and 1 p.m. Pacific Time. And our number again is 347-857-1195, or you can email all your questions into questions at realestatecoachingradio.com. And remember, you can visit Julie and I on our blog, which is uh, realestateinsidernews.com. You can also check us out at our main university website, which is timandjulieharris.com, timandjulieharris.com, and you can read about all of our coaching programs, and you can read about how you can get engaged and how you can participate in all that we have to offer. So thank you for listening today, and thank you for all of you who emailed in questions. Hopefully we covered all your questions with today's presentation, and we look forward to speaking with all of you tomorrow. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.